Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, time for us to shoot the flames again. Sorry, yes. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> and it's uh, October. <laughs> that's right. Spooky season is upon us. Finally. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it would never happen in 2020. And you know what? They can cancel Halloween celebrations all they want to, but they cannot cancel Halloween in my heart. And not only is the election coming up, it's Halloween too. <laughs> Spooky season Spooky. abound. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrified. Yeah, me too. I've just been sitting here all day thinking about the amount of taxes that I've paid since I started jobs at like 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, as we record, the news has just broken in the last couple days about Trump's um, tax payments, or lack thereof, and the uh, first presidential debate is happening tonight. That's right. So that's that's what's going on. I know that I said earlier in the year I was looking forward to debate season, but I like I just I can't. You know what I mean? I kind of just want it to be over with. Like I'm ready to vote and to like get the results. Well, just think, the next time uh, we have a Shooting the Flames episode release, our next president may be decided. (sighs) Maybe. I mean, the operative word, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to get into the fucking handsmaid's tale. (laughs) Supreme Court justice, he's nominated. (laughs) So, I mean, it's been a a rough, like, end of September, Mm. politically. What are those people named? Like, of Fred or something? Off Fred, yeah. Off Fred. Blessed be the fruits of thy womb. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she clearly probably doesn't like gay people, I would assume, right? So who's to know? I mean, if she's like Scalia, you know, it's going to be all about the letter of the law versus anything else, like a stickler for that. So it could go either way, but most of the time it's going to follow, you know, conservative bent, I I would imagine. Yeah, I think I did read somewhere that she was, like, the spiritual predecessor of Scalia. Well, she was his, like, legal assistant, so... Oh, God, I didn't read that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she clerked for him <laughs> the Supreme Court. <laughs> well, well, I guess we'll wait and see what happens with that, too, right? But... Yeah, so, I mean, I know that in the last couple Shooting the Flames, we've talked a lot about, like, current events and politics and things like that, but as this is coming out the first week in October... Um, make sure you go vote, listeners, please. It's so very important. And yeah, and early voting is happening. So uh, check that out in right. your state and uh, do so because it'll be way better than those lines and uh, you know all the inevitable people pressuring you to vote. Maybe a couple steps to the right of yourself. <laughs> vote early and often. <laughs> vote early and often. <laughs> no, no, no. Just kidding. One time. <laughs> make it count (laughs) anyway so uh we got a review that's right so we got a five-star review from unsung horrors and this is a uh, new podcast that is coming out around the first time in october and the co-host is friend of the pod erica from customers also watched Mm. so this is from her new co-host lance who she encouraged to give a listen or encouraged him to give a listen to us and he, you know, wrote us a review. So we're pretty happy about that. And it reads, give it a go. Robert and Chris give each movie they discuss a fair shake and cover every aspect of it from cast to score to cinematography and not just a plot walkthrough like many other movie podcasts. Their love of the genre is clear. And even if I don't agree with their opinions about some of the movies, I still enjoy listening. Oh, so thank you, Lance. We appreciate yeah. that. 
We also got a lot of comments from you guys. So this is going to take us a while to get through. <laughs> but yeah, our first comment is actually from YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube every once in wow. a while. And uh, this is uh, on the episode that we did way back on Fallen. Wow, well, it was a year ago. Yeah. And this is from Autisticus Spasticus. <laughs> it said my only criticism would be that the antagonism of Sutherland's character towards Hobbes in the second half of the movie seems spontaneous and bizarre. You get the impression that there's some kind of history between them, but no exposition is given about it. I consider this as a better film than seven though, which I found pretentious and poorly acted in parts, especially by Brad Pitt. One thing I never quite understood was why only one body that of Milano was discovered in the cabin in 1965. Shouldn't there have been another body that of whomever Azazel had possessed during the showdown? Milano had lured Azazel out there trying to get him stranded in the wilderness without a host. In what guise was Azazel present back then? Whoever it was, they would have had to die too, presumably by Milano's hand. Okay. So I let's unpack this a little bit first. Yeah, I disagree. I think seven is the better film. Agreed. For a multitude of reasons. Um, I love the premise of Fallen. You know, uh, obviously it was good enough for us to deep dive into. But I would have to disagree with you there. Uh, obviously, Milano failed, right? And so I'm guessing whoever Azazel was possessing at the time won that fight, you know, and was able to walk away from it. And I think it's that simple. Well, and let's not forget, too, that at the end of Fallen, spoilers, although we've done an episode on this already, <clears throat> he moves into an animal. Right. And so who's to say that's what its guys was at that particular moment. Yeah. Right. Could have shown up it's as possible. a big, a big titty, kitty cat. <laughs> titty cat. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to say putty tat, I think. but <laughs> I like titty cat better. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but yeah, thanks for the comment. I'm glad that people are going back and, you know, finding our old episodes and on YouTube. I think we've only had a comment on YouTube like one other time. Yeah, there's, there's a couple, but they're always like first comment or something like that. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that was my. He's supportive on every platform. And that's the way a good husband should be. Mm. Uh, so we got some uh, comments from our Shooting the Flames September episode. First up, at Eat Some Mario says, Congratulations on 100. Thank you. Great episode as always. Would have loved to leave a voicemail, but one, I'm not fond of my voice, and two, I assumed I couldn't call from down under, so I settled for an iTunes review, lol. Oh, one thing I made a mental note of, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, one of my favorites, was actually directed by Michael Gondry. Charlie Kaufman was a writer along with Gondry. So, okay. okay, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for the correction, and also thank you for that wonderful review that you left us. Yeah, we really appreciate that. And um, I would like to hear what your voice sounds like. So yeah. you can call from down under. It just might be a little expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Nikki from Patreon said, it was just a joy to be on the podcast, but I speak way too fast. We stopped watching AHS 1984 halfway through because we couldn't imagine where the heck it was going, but we may give it another try. I love Bjork and Defoe, so the Northmen will definitely be watched. Well, thank you, Nikki. We loved having you on, and we don't agree that you speak too quickly. I think we all speak with a certain cadence on the podcast, so you fit right in. Anyway, uh, yeah, give AHS another try. I thought it ended well. Of course, the middle was a little eh, but hey, at least it's one of the AHSs that actually end well. 
Uh, as far as uh, Bjork and Defoe, I forgot The Northman. Uh, I forgot we talked about that. <clears throat> it was part of our news segments. Um, I do love Bjork, so um, we'll never be watching that as well. Uh, let's see, we got some comments from our deep dive into Poltergeist. Actually, we got a lot of comments <laughs> from our episode on Poltergeist. Yeah, so people, let's... people have some thoughts. <laughs> so let's get started. Uh, so Nikki also commented on Twitter this time, and she said, Love this episode. Anytime Prince's controversy can be sung in normal conversation is a winner off the bat. And my moment was when the chairs were repositioned on the table in the kitchen. Hubby and I immediately said nope to each other when that happened. <laughs> yeah, because we were asking ourselves, what at what point would Nikki <laughs> nope, nope out of the situation? <laughs> so thank you for early letting on. us know. That was pretty early, yeah. And thank you for catching my Prince reference i was so glad that somebody caught it <laughs> so. i'm glad she wouldn't have walked out any earlier than that like the bird dies and randomly you've got a family member just leaving the house <laughs> yeah, i'm just like well bye <laughs> <laughs> good luck with everything's gonna happen in that kitchen no, yep. no thank you hmm. so nicole mcdaniel said i started this episode and chef's kiss one of my top three time all-time movies Note, I lived in Los Angeles for a decade, and I don't know the 82 weather patterns, but the first year I was there, holy shit, the storms, because whoa, even as a former Texan and Okie, that was intense. She continued over on Patreon saying, so I was thinking about the question you'll post about the themes in the movie, and there's definitely a Reagan-era power of the nuclear family vibe in the story. Rolling into the 80s and coming off the divorce boom of the 70s, I feel like there was a message in there about the power of family love, specifically the traditional family idealized at the time, to overcome extreme forces from the outside. An interesting twist for a remake, if you buy into my slightly vodka-soaked interpretation of the original, (laughs) would be to modernize the family by having the family unit more diverse in race and or sexuality. Well, here, here. Yeah, I think that would be good. I mean, obviously, like, traditional family values do not extend only to Caucasian people. So, I mean, I would like to see, you know, a different kind of family. Maybe two dads. Yeah. Right? That's okay. Mm -hmm. And also, it's perfectly fine to have a vodka-soaked interpretation. I oftentimes do. Yes. Or at the very least, a very baked interpretation. Uh, Land of Enchantment Lobo over on Instagram said, I knew very little about this film before listening to the episode, only what I knew from pop culture and the many Simpsons Treehouse of Horror references. Needless to say, I learned a lot. File this under random, but my five-year-old daughter wanted to watch a show yesterday, and instead of our 200th episode of Peppa Pig, Kill Me Now, (laughs) I decided maybe something more educational. So at random, I chose Reading Rainbow, A Three-Hat Day. And who should I find narrating the story but none other (gasps) than Zelda Rubenstein? (laughs) She settles the Rubenstein pronunciation debate. As she reads her own name, she uses the German pronunciation, the other being the anglicized version. Coincidence? So it would be Stein, then. Stein. Yeah. Okay, so I need to... Yeah, the German pronunciation is always the vowel that comes last. So it's if it's an E-I, it would be I. I don't know why I even said her name like that. I, I, I say Frankenstein. I don't say Frankenstein <laughs> whenever I talk about the book. <laughs> so, yeah, I always called her Rubenstein, so I don't know. I was just thinking, like, I saw so many interviews, and they, like, always said Rubenstein is here. And I'm like, okay, interesting. So that's what I thought it was. But I guess well, people aren't fact-checking even back then. Well, but thanks to Reading Rainbow. We have an answer. Yes, we do. Thank you very much. Michael from Facebook said, love it. I'm not even done listening to it, and I love it. And, of course, Spielberg directed it, in my opinion. Though I'll tell you that I knew James Karen, and he was adamant that it was Hooper. 
I wish I could have met James Karen. And there was a whole conversation about that on Facebook, right? Like you continued to go back and forth and, um, you yeah, know, about how that kind of came about. Cause he was trying to do, um, um, uh, some sort of DVD. He was campaigning for like a special edition Blu-ray or DVD for return of the living dead, which yeah. James Karen is in. Mm-hmm. And through the course of that, he got to sort of like know James Karen and they shared letters and postcards back and forth. And, um, Michael was saying that he's just a lovely man. And, you know, I have to say that I, he seems like he would be, seems like someone fun to get to know. I, I love James Karen from, from many things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little jealous, but, yeah. um, and also good work on trying to get special editions of things like Return of the Living Dead happen because you're like doing the Lord's work, honestly. Thank you. So I mean, yes, thank you for doing that. <laughs> Sorry, I made it sound like you were taking me. <laughs> you're welcome for all that work I did. So at Shit We Watch Pod, <laughs> which is the Shit We Watch on Netflix podcast, <laughs> says, as I type this, I am listening to the Film Flamers episode of Poltergeist, and I would totally recommend it. Yay. Thank you. Thank you for that recommendation. We appreciate it. We've also got a couple of voicemails. This first one is from Kimberly. Hey guys, it's uh, your Patreon, Kimberly. Um, I was so excited about the Poltergeist episode and I have so much I want to talk about that I could probably do a whole other uh, episode with you guys about this movie. It is by far my favorite of all time. It will never not be my favorite. Um, so just a few thoughts. Um, I, I'm going to go back and watch it, uh, because you pointed out some Easter eggs that I missed the first 5,000 times I've seen the movie. Um, and then, um, I agreed pretty much, uh, with everything you guys said, that there were some moments that were really bad and made no damn sense. And then, um, there were just spectacular moments. And one of them that I liked, um, that you guys did not mention was the scene where they caught on camera all those, um, spectral vein coming down the stairs and the way they um, did the uh, special effects for that, that was so cool. Like, if you watch it, you can see, like, they're, they're like, ghost faces, like, moving, like, looking around, like, where are we? What's going on? And then all that jewelry that comes flying down out of the, out of the ceiling, um, you know, that probably belongs to all of those dead bodies that pop up later in the movie. So, um, I love the way they use the closet. Uh, because, you know, every kid is afraid of the monster in the closet. That's where that came from, um, honestly. And then um, Joe Beth Williams was amazing. And Diane Freeling was just like the ultimate mama bear. Um, like, I don't care what dimension you belong in. You are not taking my babies away from me. Um, except for the scene where uh, the construction guys digging the pool are sexually harassing uh, Dana and she doesn't do anything. I I would rip them a new one, but you know, whatever. It was the eighties. Um, I'm so superstitious about this movie that I actually won't keep a copy in my house. I know that sounds kinda of dumb, but um that's just the way it is. And um yeah, so and then um part two, uh I like how they told the story backstory of the beast and how he came to be and how they told backstory of, of uh Carolyn being, you know, psychic. Um, and then I straight up get PTSD whenever I see uh, a picture of Preacher King because uh, the makeup and then everything they did for him made him look like a school. And uh, I honestly, he's on the screen, I have to cover my face. So I honestly don't watch too very often, if ever. Um, and then part three, meh, didn't have any of the magic. Asking took a giant dump 
Uh, and then, um, yeah, there were some cool special effects in the remake, but it was a pile of hot trash as far as I'm concerned. Um, so anyway, so those are just a few of my thoughts. Um, uh, even listening to this episode, I had to uh, stop part of the way through the episode um, just to take a break. And then I had to um, use the bathroom, and there's a giant mirror behind our toilet. And um, needless to say, you know, uh, I kept looking behind me. Um, Really, there's no other horror movie that does that to me. So, anyway, um, hope you guys are well. Uh, be good. I will catch you on Patreon. Bye. So that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the voicemail, Kimberly. We love to get them, and that was fun. And <clears throat> I'm glad that you, like, I'm, it's very clear that you love Poltergeist, and so do we. And so it's always good for us to, like, meet other people who really, really enjoy this movie. It also sounds like you really don't like the remake at all. <laughs> so. Or the third one, which, you know, it seems like all of her thoughts kind of, kind of align with what we were thinking. However, there's some interesting there's an interesting point here what would you have done if your child you know teenager or whatever was subjected to that kind of like ogling you know by those like pool workers dana i kind of think that dana held her own in that moment yeah right and i, I kind of like the way that she's like super flippant about it and she gives her own response mm-hmm. you know and i i kind of feel that diane was poised to do something about it yeah. but then she saw her her daughter like sort of like hold her own with it right yeah, you and, know if one of those construction workers had gone up to her you know or yeah. tried to retaliate in some way other than laugh that she would have run out there and done something mm-hmm. you know but you could tell she wasn't shy you know but i feel like but kimberly's right it's the 80s i mean like i would have done the luck. same thing i'm mm-hmm. kind of hands off you know like if i was watching it you know uh and i saw my kid kind of like defend themselves and nothing come of it you know then i would have been fine i would have been proud of them and and been happy with how it went down but then maybe a little bit extra watchful eye on those construction workers around my daughter from then on out knowing that they had kind of started a weird little pied de terre <laughs> no way that's apartment <laughs> pas de deux, pas de deux. <laughs> pas de deux. <laughs> um and also i mean i think it's fair to say that <clears throat> diane and steve give dana kind of a wide berth when it comes to her life as a teenager and um this is not something that i think is outside of like norm i know my parents sort of gave me like enough space to like go and make mistakes and do bad things we talked about dana coming back with a hickey on her neck at one point right and i you know i i i know that parenting in the 80s was different but that's when i grew up i grew up in the 80s and the 90s and you know i yeah it's just different today i'm not saying that like you know a different style of parenting is is wrong. I think that's that's good. Always watch your children and make sure they're doing something, right? But I was I was super proud at the way that Dana sort of like told those construction guys to fuck off, mm-hmm. essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I would have been super proud of my teenage daughter if she responded in that way. Plus, in the novelization, we find that Dana is from an earlier marriage, and everyone knows that if you're a stepmom, you don't care about that child as much. What? <laughs> 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 just kidding <laughs> only in disney movies you were drinking I and i wanted you to spit out your drink <laughs> well you're always trying to make me joke <laughs> it's like you want to do this podcast by yourself it's my commitment to comedy that will kill you <laughs> 
Kimberly, thank you so much for the voicemail and thank you for your continued support over on Patreon. We look forward to more conversations, but we got another voicemail about our episode on Poltergeist and this one is from Roger. Hi, Film Flamers. This is Roger J, short-time listener, first-time caller. I got turned on to your show by an old buddy of mine who comments as the real Hal Jordan or some kind of Hal Jordan uh, on your various social media. I've cherry-picked some episodes, and I've really enjoyed your show. It's well-produced, it's positive, and you have a unique voice. I'm calling today regarding Poltergeist, specifically the remake. The original is my biggest kinder trauma movie and my favorite horror movie of all time. I saw the theatrical run in 1982 at age nine, and it messed me up in the nicest way. The remake, however, is hot garbage water. Why? The original is about something, the family, and most specifically about Diane and the love and devotion she has for her children. She loves so deeply and unconditionally that she literally volunteers to walk into hell to save her child. But in the remake, the parents are so useless, clueless, passive, inept, incapable, and feckless that their kids literally have to save themselves. I'm not sure if that's a sad metatextual commentary on 21st century parenting or if it's an illustration of the screenwriters' relationships with their own families, but it totally misses the beating heart of the original movie, and I hate it for that reason. That and the stupid drone. But what I don't hate is your show. It's really good, and I'm looking forward to listening to future episodes. Thanks a lot, and sweet dreams. What a professional-sounding voicemail. <laughs> for real. Oh my gosh. I agree with everything this guy is talking about i feel like he should call in every month <laughs> yeah please um however i think that both of these two voicemails that we've just listened to sort of raise a question about parenting today right and so i i'm not sure that every parent makes their children fend for themselves like we just had a, a, a current parent of kimberly talking about how she would have like acted in a certain situation in this movie right so obviously parents are watching their kids i i think in the remake they were just trying to do something different and it didn't really work out as far as the family dynamic went i think they were trying to do it, it differently and plot twist and they did it for the wrong reasons like it didn't it didn't work emotionally at all. Like it falls completely flat. I I can't agree more with this, uh, Roger. I think it's Roger. It almost sounds like yeah, it's Roger. And um, yeah. So he he said it way more eloquently than I did. I think um, mm, when I was talking no. about the remake. But yeah, hot garbage water. That sounds sounds pretty good. Yep. And Kimberly also called it trash too. So I think there's a, a running theme that people it's maybe people of our age bracket really who just do not like the remake of poltergeist when right? i think of parents nowadays like the main complaint at least since i've become an adult seems to be that parents are much more helicopter parents right like they mm. swoop down and protect their child from anything including like all these experiences that they should be able to deal with themselves and the, the kids don't have the problem solving skills so maybe it was like an some sort of at least in part some sort of reaction to that you know, where the kids do have to t kind of take care of themselves. But you're right. Those parents were like just useless and that, you know, it just it was kind of hard to watch. Yeah. I still have not rewatched it since we talked about Poltergeist. Um, and I, I kind of, it were, I was looking forward to watching it and just like comparing it to the, my first viewing, but now I just don't. 
want to to see it again really but i'm gonna have to eventually so i don't know stay tuned for that i suppose Mm -hmm. so we got a uh comment from our most recent episode which were hot takes that we released at the end of september um and nikki over on patreon said i had so much to say this episode thanks for adding a bunch of material to our watch list thoughts the hitcher yay robert paranormal activity we loved it and didn't know it was panned Attacked the block, enjoyed it, but spawned another diversity conversation in our family. The Expanse, loving it. Warrior Nun, enjoyed it, but not sure where it's going. AJ and the Queen, lovely and fun bubblegum. Woo! You know, that's those are some great hot takes, honestly. Um, and I remember there was a previous conversation, I forgot where, with Nikki about um, Attack the Block. Because it kind of, she was worried that it kind of perpetuated the the black boys up to no good. You know, kind of... Uh, trope and i can see that you know but at the same time it kind of also tells a story about a group of of people you're not used to seeing you know and i'm so glad it was those boys instead of a bunch of you know white londoners you know it it, it had a different flavor to it um that i felt like really added to the story and i don't i don't know if that's you know a a race issue or you know i I could see it on both sides you know i can't quite articulate it in that little group of kids that were you know running around including john boyega there there was a a nice mix of like white kids and black kids and so i mean it's not it's not really just like a a race thing of being up to no good i think that they were trying to pinpoint a very specific part of london in which the kids are up to no good as a whole right it's a more of like a community area as opposed to just a race thing to me watching that. It just so happens that in that particular area of London, like I think that the vast majority of people living there were, were black or non-white to me, attack the block is an improvement on diversity in, in horror, right? Cause he had a, a large black cast in that movie and they were the heroes of that movie and they made the right choices in that movie. And so I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah. And it's where it's not really, you know, explain it doesn't have to be a social or racial or cultural issue. They're there just kind of because this is who's in the story. You know, that's what we want more as as gay men is people that are just kind of gay men that are just kind of incidentally there. It's not going to be about HIV or about being in drag or, you know, being catty people at the bitch brunch or something, you know, it's or like being bashed by the public or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we want to have like a, just a a movie where gay people are just there because they're characters. It's been a while since I've seen attack the block, but I think I remember that it was fairly incidental and it was just, it added this whole like, you know, texture to the story that was just so much better than it would have been otherwise. In my opinion, we can continue that conversation. Yeah, of course. And as far as like paranormal activity goes, I don't think it was panned when it first came out. Like we've said on this podcast before, Chris brings up eloquently is that, you know, um, popularity breeds contempt. And I think that over time with so many sequels and things, I think people have thought paranormal activity is just not very good, but that's untrue. I think the first paranormal activity was a very, very good movie very effective. Yeah. Me too. So. And several of the sequels were very good in my opinion, like yeah. surprisingly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love that you're loving the expanse because I feel like it's some of the most important, uh, science fiction that we've gotten on TV in a long time. It's one of those rare, like adult, not teeny bopper in any sense, like, you know, far into adult territory, uh, sci-fi shows. And it's just, it's rare and so, so good. And there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of like horror adjacency in it. Um, cosmic horror, Cthulian type of stuff going on. And I can't recommend it enough for people. And I still need to watch it. Yep. From 
our outtakes 4.0 episode at Matthew McHenry says, I personally love the outtakes, especially after this hellish week at work. I needed the laughs this morning, created memes with some of the jokes. He created some memes with some of the things that we said from the podcast and posted them onto Twitter. Right. So like he had the shark popping up going roar, (laughs) which I think is part of it. And, um, there was another one too. I, I, I retweeted them on Twitter, but I'm going to post them again and put them on Instagram as well. So go take a look at those. They're pretty funny. Mm-hmm. At the real GL, Hal Jordan says about takes 4.0. I want to hear more cameos from the cat. Seriously. <laughs> well, we just kicked her out when we did the voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe Kelly can start her own podcast. Maybe we'll see. So we also got a direct message from Kimberly on Patreon and she said, I need to vent. I finally watched Eli on Netflix. I was really looking forward to it. In the immortal words of Ian Malcolm, this is one big pile of shit. What a letdown. <laughs> I haven't seen Eli yet. Okay. Have you? No. I, uh, yeah, I've heard like some mixed things about it, so it, I haven't like run off to watch it. Well, but... I shan't be watching it now. So thank you, Kimberly. I know. <laughs> Just stay away from Eli. <laughs> Uh, we got some questions from listeners, and one of them was a, another voicemail. This is the record. We've gotten, what, three voicemails this Shooting the Flames? Yeah, I mean, like, we have uh, sort of asked for voicemails, and we've received them in abundance, and so we're very happy. And this one is from Sean. Hey, film flavors. Oh, God, fuck. Already I messed it up. Cut that. Hey, Film Flamers, this is Sean from Austin, Texas, and wanted to give a shout-out. I'm the one who gave my laptop a red-eye surprise uh, when you guys mentioned it down your Jurassic Park uh, episode. Um, loving the podcast, loving everything. Just got turned on to the invitation, which I love by what's doing the five stars. But anyway, I have a question. <clears throat> Do you guys play horror video games like Resident Evil, Silent Hill, or Dead by Daylight, and I'm interested to know what you think about them. Um, I'm pretty much into them, and that's all the video game that I play, but um, I don't know if you've ever played them, but just a question. I know it's not technically a film, but it is art, and it is horror. Keep up the good work. Later. Thank you for that awesome voicemail. Um, yeah, we are the film flavors. No. <laughs> I'm not going to cut that. I'm so not going to cut that. It was that was funny. God, fuck, already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's us when we record. So as far as video games, um, I have not played like the, the big classics like that, and I'm mostly on PC, right? So uh, I've, of course, my entire life I've been playing the Wolfenstein and Doom series. Uh, that's pretty horrific, uh, although not like haunted housey kind of stuff like Silent Hill and some of those others. I'm really interested in Dead by Daylight. Um, I have been wanting to check that out for a while. Of course, when Slender Man came out, I played, um, I played that and I think we could even like an add on to it or something. And I made other people play it <laughs> while I was watching them. So, uh, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm at least interested in it. And of course, I think Robert here has played, uh, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. And I have never played I like that. Five Nights at Freddy's. And I, I recently, I mean, a couple of years ago I played, um, Dead by Dawn or something like that until Dawn, I think is what it's called on PlayStation where it's sort of like a different game every time you play it based on choices, right? And I know that, yeah. like, uh, last New Year's Eve, we all played a game together that was similar. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah it was one of this god i forgot what it's called but it was like on a boat and you're you know you're we're each playing a different character and you go through the story and there's choices and there's different inroads and stuff and they're releasing them every like six months or something uh these different chapters that you can play and there's like celebrities playing them like sean sean ashmore was in one that we were playing and it was pretty good uh it just lasted a long time and i wish we'd probably in hindsight done it like online instead or something over the computer i feel like that would have been better use of our time on new year's but um that was pretty good and one of my favorite horror games of all time was actually back in the day probably in the early to mid yeah early thousands it was clive barker's undying and it was uh he wrote the whole thing and uh you you went through this whole story and it was just really really interesting because you're working through this this haunted mansion and there's like a whole layered tapestry of of story with like twists and turns and stuff and i remember that being really creepy and and fun to play so anyway and of course there's that alien uh game that came out alien isolation that was really good uh where you're in the ship uh you're you're ellen ripley's daughter and you're trying to like find her and you find yourself on a ship on a space station an alien is hunting you and every time it gets close you have to hide and if it hears you it kills you no amount of armor or health saves you you just die it was really fun i am not a big gamer so um but if I do play games, they're usually very horror-esque, right? And um, I have been really interested in Dead by Daylight just because there's so many like actual horror franchises in it. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how to do it. You have to play it online with other people or something, right? And I can't figure that yeah. shit out. I don't know. You know, it's like... <laughs> we'll put that on our to-do list because I'm interested in that. And I feel like it would be really fun playing the killer while you're, you know, the studious brunette trying to hide in the bushes somewhere. I seriously think that playing a game with me online like that would be the worst experience for anybody on Earth because I would have to take a thousand and one smoke breaks. And I'd be like, hold on, BRB. And I'd come back and all my shit would be dead or whatever, you know, so... I don't know, but you're right. Well, they're in sessions, right? So like you have to hide and it lasts like 30 minutes or, or less. Oh, wow. And so then it restarts, you know what I okay. mean? But you're right, uh, Sean. I, you know, it's, it's not a film, but I, there's a lot of work that goes into these horror video games and they are art. And a lot of them play out like watching an extended movie that you get to be a part of. So, I mean, I think that's fairly important for people to talk about. And if you enjoy games like that, you know, they're the ones to play. So Nikki um, tweeted at us and she said, we watched Antebellum this weekend. Can't wait to hear what y'all thought of it. The story that got to the core of fears based on experience as a black person in America. So I, I think she went on to actually say that the reviews, of course, were abysmal, but she thought it was pretty good. And, and that's part of why she wanted to, to hear our thoughts on it. And I definitely have some thoughts and they're fairly extended. So do you want to go first? Um, you know, so yeah, I, I will. I, I watched the movie. I watched it the same day that she tweeted and I originally was going to wait to watch it just based on the reviews. And so before I decided I was going to watch the movie, I pulled up Rotten Tomatoes and some other, you know, review sites. And I was just scrolling through it, looking at the pictures of reviewers. Right. And every single person I came across was white and all the reviews were terrible. And I was trying so hard to find a black person reviewing this movie and I could not find one. I eventually went over to Letterboxd and saw that some of the reviews were a little softer, right? Or a little bit, you know, more encouraging. And so I decided to go watch the movie and also based on your recommendation, Nikki, because I will totally take it. And I think that those reviewers are being a little harsh. (laughs) So yeah, the movie has its flaws. It's not a perfect movie, right? But I have certainly seen far, far worse. Yeah. And I I don't think they're being really 
fair in the context of of this film or what I think it's trying to do. And actually, one of the worst reviews I saw was actually by a black woman. Hmm. And she said she was tired. She's so tired of black movies having to rely on like just like we're tired of like being uh, like gay movies being all about hiv or being bullied or trying to fit in or being the catty bitchy people or being a drag you know we can't just be incidental and you know i get that and i and i think that's what she was trying to come across is like we can do more than just talk about you know the racist black experience in america we have so much more to our lives than just this and i agree you know but at the same time you know, I feel like people are confused that this is trying to be like 12 years a slave or, you know, something like that. And I think what this is just trying to be is a self-contained black horror movie. And I feel like there's real, real terror here as far as like, you know, stemming from if you ask yourself this question, you know, do you believe in today's climate and everything else that today in 2020, that this could happen in some way, shape or form. And I would say, yes. And that is the, that's the source of horror here, right? It's calling out a a specific like segment of society and saying, here's a horror movie that can live here. You know, it's not trying to be 12 years a slave. It's not trying to be, you know, a statement on, you know, the sociopolitical, you know, existence of black people. Right. I feel like it's, you know, it, people could easily confuse it with that, but I think self-contained horror movie, which is really what it sells itself as, you know, it's it's good. I think it it does the job. I think it's you know legitimate fear for Black people in this country, and it works on that level. And I think that it it wasn't necessarily made for the people that are tired of this kind of representation. And it wasn't necessarily made for certainly, you know, your average white person, you know, No. but for me, I, you know, all you have to do is try to get into a movie and even further, just try. And it's really, really quite simple to empathize with who you think this movie is, is intended for, you know, and on that on that level, I was terrified. You know, I thought it was really effective. And so I thought it was a lot better than most people thought it was. And I gave it a four out of five. I think it's incredibly well put, you know, and, and had I read a review like that, you know, I, I think that it would have encouraged me to go watch the movie, but it was like bad review after bad review. And they all said the same thing. Like, you know, do, do black people need to watch the level of violence that's, you know, shown in this movie when they're already going through some sort of real life movement? And I said, yes, you know, I think that, you know, some people were talking about like how, how incredibly like violent and terrible it was. I even read a review that said it was vile. And I'm like, I think a lot of people need to realize that, you know, the things that black people have gone through in this country are terrible. And as a reminder, they can still happen today, right? The problems that I had with this movie don't stem from anything from like a, a sociological point. Like, I, I think that it's a well-made movie. I enjoyed watching it as a horror film, right? Yeah, there are some issues, right? I I think Janelle Monet was fantastic in this movie, and Gabrielle Sidibe is lovely as always. Um, yeah. Like, Jenna Malone, I think, went a little hammy with the overacting, right? But if that's, if that's the only thing that I have to say about it, you know, then I don't think that's a bad movie. And yes. 
you know, so I, I think I sort of landed on three and a half stars for it, bordering on four. I think I need to watch it again. Well, you know me and aesthetics, right? Yeah. So I feel like it's a, it should be a three and a half hour movie, but it was done so yes. well, technically. It is a beautiful film oh, to yes. watch. And I hate to, I always hesitate to say that because of the subject matter, you know, but like, especially the very beginning opening shot and then the ending shots are so well done. And for first time directors, it's incredible to see that level of effort you know, and, and just come so beautifully on the screen, like they've been doing it their whole lives, you know, and they may have been, but I mean, like, it's like they'd been in the, you know, the industry doing films forever. And it was just done so beautifully and so well. And the cinematography is so great. You know, uh, I think another thing is about this is like, you don't like, this is kind of a self-contained horror movie in that, like, you have your final girl, you know, you have all this stuff going on. You have the slack slasher adjacent stuff going on. And, and the setting just happens to be like this racially, you know, heightened environment, obviously. And um, this very specific setting that's so frightening to, should be frightening to everyone, mm. but especially frightening to, you know, black people. And I don't, I don't find ourselves talking about like Halloween and like, Oh, I'm sick of watching women in this particular situation, or it should really be having a stance on like the, you know, the, patriarch the patriarchy and America, you know, and this is what it's really about. It's like, no, you can have a horror movie and and the whole point is to like show you the situation and see someone kind of come out of it, you know, and and kind of root for that person. And you know, I don't think this movie is trying to be any deeper than it is, and I don't think it needs to. Agreed. And I also agree with the, the technical achievements of this movie. It was very pretty to look at. The cinematography is great. I'm super glad that I watched it on 4K. And, I mean, it's just like it was a really nicely shot, well-made movie, right? I thought it was well-paced, well-structured, you know? And so <clears throat> this is a prime example of not necessarily listening to every single reviewer, right? Like, you really have to go and watch movies on your own to decide for yourself what you think about it. And if you're just going to rely solely on the quote unquote professional film reviewers, journalists, right. You, you may miss out on something that you really enjoy. And I mean, it, I'm glad that you came across a, a black film reviewer. I didn't, and I scrolled for several pages and I think that like, ultimately I think that says something about, you know, the people who are reviewing film professionally in our country or the people that get top build first on like rotten tomatoes. Right. So we need to expand voices a little bit and let other people have a say in film. Yeah. And I'm excited about these people's future in film. Yes. I think they have a really good future. And I think there's a wider conversation to be had on this, a larger conversation to be had on like some of the reviewers, especially the white ones and how white guilt might have something to do with that. And like, a, you know, a fear of having any kind of like empathy with, with who this was targeted for having a knee jerk reaction to I'm, I'm tired of being the bad guy in the story and, and really having the need to distance yourself from, you know, how things are represented on the screen versus who you are individually as a person, yeah. you know, like there's, there's this huge issues like circling this. And I think there needs to be a conversation about that, but we simply don't have the time to get into all that. <laughs> Maybe we can do a deep dive on antebellum and have these larger conversations because uh, how this was psychologically reacted to could be a whole episode in and of itself. I'm waiting because I know a lot of people are not going to pay that $20 VOD rental fee. Right. So I know that people who are very looking forward to watching this movie or diehard horror fans probably would go and do that sort of thing. But a lot of people are going to wait 
until it's like $7.99 or less to watch this movie. And so I think that eventually we'll see a flood of reaction to Antebellum once it's just a little bit more attainable for people to see. Right. And so the, the opinion may change, at least, you know, the public opinion may change about antebellum. And I, I'm more than willing to, to watch it again and talk about it later on. Cause I think that I think it is a good movie and it's something that I would watch again solely based on a horror movie standpoint. I thought that it was a really great horror movie. And so go watch antebellum everyone and, you know, find us on social media and tell us what you thought about the movie. Yeah. We've got some new patrons. <gasps> patrons plural. Yes. We have Matthew McHenry who has joined us over on Patreon. Yeah, he has he's been a listener for quite some time. So welcome to the Patreon family. And we also have Janice. Welcome, Janice. Of course, we continue to have new Patreon content every single month, as well as most of the time early releases for all of our other episodes. So if you want to join the family and take part in the polls going on over there for what we're covering and uh new episodes over on Patreon, then go to patreon.com slash the film flamers and join us over there. That's right. And if you join at the film flamers plus level, you'll get a shout out just like we're going to do right now for Ben Gonzalez and Amber couch. So thank you guys for continuing the support at that level. We very much appreciate it. Yes. We love you. We want to be close to you. <laughs> you complete us. Take us away from all this death. Take us away from all this death. <laughs> we've crossed oceans of time to be with you we've crossed oceans of patreon to find you (laughs) okay okay horror news it's been a pretty slow month for horror news i was scouring the normal places that i go to find my horror news and couldn't come up with a whole lot but I did find an article that I think that you will find um, pretty sad. And that's uh, Dark Crystal, The Age of Resistance, the new Netflix show, has been canceled after only one season. This pisses me off. It's just because everyone that was excited about it or said they were excited about it or had some like some sort of nostalgia boner from, you know, growing up in the 80s with Dark Crystal or having seen it since, you know, started the show or, or never did and never finished it. And... I feel like I'm the only person besides, you know, my significant other that actually sat down and finished this whole thing. And it just gets better and better and better. And I loved how it ended. And I'm so sad because the level of artistry and design and storytelling and acting and everything else that went into this to make this happen is just so amazing. I mean, they, they had, were smart enough to create a documentary of it, you know, of making it, you know, while they were making this first season. And I really, really wish it had continued that people had supported it more, but no one did. And it just, pisses me off so all of you and i'm looking at you robert that started and or never started and didn't finish it and didn't like tell people other other people about it and get people to watch it i'm disappointed in you well it just won an emmy like literally last week (laughs) so i mean like i i don't know netflix is very hush hush about their decision making process or why they choose to renew or cancel shows and I mean, it's, I, Oh, super expensive to make. <laughs> I would assume that it costs a, a lot of fucking money, first of all. Yeah. And then like, I don't like you, I didn't finish the season, you know, and that's, that's terrible. Cause I love the dirt crystal. So yes, shame on me. I will accept that. Um, tisk tisk you gave me, but like I said, there's some nightmare fuel in there that, but did it wrap itself up at the end of the season? Did it leave it, it open for a second one? 
Yeah, it did. Okay. There's a, there's a little cliffhanger there, and it was a good one. So, I mean, obviously anybody can pick this up and continue its work, but it also could have been that the people who made the show just didn't, couldn't do it anymore for whatever no, reason. they wanted to. Okay, well, good. All right. <laughs> no, no, they were chomping at the fucking bit. Are you kidding me? Well, and they, they have an Emmy, so... I mean, all those puppeteers are now in the street because of you. I don't like this, like, finger pouring. I'm not the only person in the world who didn't finish watching Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. You as in plural. (laughs) You as in everyone. The royal you. (laughs) Okay. Well, I will take responsibility for the final destruction of Dark Crystal as a TV show on Netflix. In other news, Mike Flanagan wants to make a Shining prequel and The Dark Tower. And you know what? Mike Flanagan can do whatever the fuck he wants and I'll watch it. So he's already made here, here. like two really good Stephen King adaptations, right? Gerald's Game and Dr. Sleep. Mm. He's written a third one, Revival, that hopefully will be filmed soon. And if he wants to continue to make Stephen King, I say go for it. Because obviously I think that he interprets the work very well. Yeah, I, I basically love everything this guy does. So, you know, we're about to get Blind Manor. We've seen Haunting of Hill House. You know, I love Dr. Sleep. I thought like the best horror TV we've gotten in years was on Haunting of Hill House, you know, and, you know, as far as a shining, I would love a Dr. Sleep sequel if Stephen King would write that. Uh, If he wants to make the Dark Tower into an actual series, which is what it should have been to begin with instead of a movie, you know, I feel like he should do that. I can't get enough of him. And I I know that he's uh, at least has something to do with the. uh, Christopher Pike series that's also going to be coming out. So yeah, so I mean, eventually he'll have three series on Netflix. There's another one too. I for, uh, the title escapes me, but like he's he signed a deal with them and he's making a lot of like Netflix TV shows and movies yeah. and as well as theatrical movies. I think that he's you know sort of given free reign over at Netflix to do whatever he wants. You know, my my biggest fear right now is that he's going to burn out. You know that he's not gonna he's gonna have too many irons in the fire, and he's gonna make something that doesn't make its money back or sucks and he's just going to get burnt out and he's going to get forgotten or something. That's like my worst fear. So I'm like, take your time. Like you have like decades in front of you. As long as I have something Mike Flanagan, you know, it doesn't have to be two things or three things at once. Just like take your time, just make the best thing that you can and I'll eat it up. But specifically Stephen King, if you want to do that, I'm, I'm here for it. So come on. We stand you Mike Flanagan. Come on. Coming soon. You know, we might have been light on news, but my God, have we got all the trailers we could have ever asked for. <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of things are coming to VOD or streaming fairly quickly these days, and they are releasing trailers like right before they come out to sort of like garner buzz and interest. And so there's been just a lot of trailers to see. Yeah. The first one that we're going to talk about is called Freaky with Catherine Newton and uh, what's his face? Vince Vaughn. That's fine. <laughs> and this one is theoretically going to be, uh, you know, released in theaters. And, uh, you know, it looks really good. And I've, I've heard from some people that I trust that it's, uh, it's that have screened it. Really? You know, that it's really good. And that Vince Vaughn deserves like an Oscar or something for this. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So Stephen King posted that on Twitter. He said that just based on the trailer, <laughs> Vince Vaughn deserves an Oscar for Frankie. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But um, 
Yeah, so this comes from a gay director and writer. And, you know, obviously, I'd like to support, you know, gay people out there making horror movies. But Christopher Landon, who wrote and directed, like, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day 2. And I think he wrote some other, like, Paranormal Activity sequels and things like that. So, I mean, this movie looks incredibly, like, funny and just seems like something I want to see. So Yeah, it's up there. It's, It's kind of in that same vibe as, like, The Babysitter, you know killer queen yeah. or something like that you know that we we love that that dark comedy horror that you know we can't get enough of it so well and i mean i think in this day and age it's important to like yeah we all like to watch horror movies but sometimes i need to laugh a little bit and so i if i can watch a, a horror comedy then bring it my way please speaking of which we got a trailer for a movie called the wolf of snow hollow which is also going to be released in theaters apparently and this one looks like even darker comedy <laughs> but it, i am there for it yeah. because I, if it's obviously a werewolf movie and i'm not into werewolf movies it's like my blind spot in horror is like i, I can't i can't find a like a werewolf movie or tv show that i can get into or like or take seriously and so maybe this is the way to do it is to is to make it a really dark you know updated comedy it looks like the, the main character may be gay or something like it <laughs> it's just the, the cop who's always like no it's a man <laughs> right like that. it's like when am i going to be proven right <laughs> like, yeah I, yeah this trailer is hilarious and i loved it and i want to see it i was not expecting the level of comedy that came out of this i was just like oh the wolf of snow hollow i was like i also am not a huge fan of werewolf movies there's a handful that i like right and mostly from the 80s but by and mm-hmm. largely i'm just not a fan of werewolf movies and so like this one they didn't show you the werewolf which i think is good in the trailer and then it would it made me laugh and i was just like okay i'm gonna watch this it's, it seems so incredibly funny so yeah i'm i'm totally here for it like if, if i'm gonna be afraid of wolves it's gonna be like the gray or something you know where it's actual wolves you know versus like if there's gonna be a wear something like make it a wear spider it'd be way worse to see something like in the thing like <laughs> Like a person like split into having eight arms all of a sudden and be like this freaky spider person. It'd be so much more <laughs> effective to me. But I don't know why we keep going back to werewolves. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, with that being said, I think we're going to be covering the howling here pretty soon. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah. We'll see what we have to say about werewolves in that conversation. Yeah. But uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow should be coming out around October the 9th. So pretty quickly after this show, is this episode is released. Mm-hmm. So there was also a trailer for a movie called Love and Monsters. This is going to be a VOD release, but uh, it's put out by a larger studio. It's like Paramount or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some money behind it. And it looks like there's a lot of cool like special effects. And um, I also, like we talked about in The Wolf of Snow Hollow, they sort of like keep some of the monsters close to the chest a little bit like until the end of the trailer right so yeah more incentive to go and see this movie but it's sort of about a guy who um is in love with a girl and monsters have invaded earth and you know during the apocalypse he wants to go and find his girlfriend and he has to travel the countryside like avoiding monsters and joining forces with other people who are trying to survive and it just seems like a really fun like teenagery monster film yeah, it does seem very kind of teenagery. It's not as, you know, adulty, dark comedy as feeling as like the Wolf of Snow Hollow, mm-hmm. you know, but it does look fun. Yeah, I'll watch it. I mean, like, I, especially if it's VOD. And I also like that the fact that they're just like, 
it's kind of clear that when they made this movie, you can tell that some money was put into it and they were probably hoping for a larger theatrical release, but they're like being smart and putting it out on VOD and going to make the money they can make from that sort of platform. And so I'm all for it. You know, I wish that other like releases would come out this way. I know that Candyman has been pushed back indefinitely now, or at least till sometime in 2021. Mm. And I'm like, you you can make the money. The money is there right now on VOD. If you just put it out there, people will watch it. So yeah, thank you, Love and Monsters, at least for doing that. And speaking of VOD, uh, we I think it's VOD. I cannot find this film on Wikipedia or anything. Like, uh, it's called Don't Look Back. And <laughs> maybe it's like because I came off of a bunch of like horror comedy trailers, but I started laughing <laughs> during this trailer. And then I realized like, it's actually trying to be like a straight up like morality horror movie. It's about this girl who's part of a crowd that is basically just like filming this attack, you know, this assault on someone that ends in a death, you know, on her cell phone or whatever. And she feels guilty. And then the person like starts haunting her, I guess. And like, there's some big mystery about it, but it's supposed to be like a morality horror. And it it does look very VOD. It really does. But at the same time, like I was laughing and I probably shouldn't have been because some of it just seems so over the top, but it's so earnest that it just looks like straight B movie to me. Like, you know, I, you'll just have to see the trailer. Yeah. I, so this is from the same writer who wrote final destination one and two and other horror movies. I think it's just like his uh, directorial debut or at least like something that he's putting out there. And it seems very final destination to me. Like all the people who witnessed this attack are getting picked off one by one supernaturally. And I'm like, well, I guess he didn't stray too far away from his original concept or whatever. Um, But yeah, I'm like, I, it seems I will watch it. But it, I feel like I've already seen the entire movie, right? Or I know what's going to mm-hmm. happen. And and I don't like that. I like to have some things be unexpected, especially in a horror movie. So Yeah. But it, did you find yourself laughing at all? Yeah, like me, I did or? because I... Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay it feels but, freakish. But only because I was just like, okay, we've all seen this before. Like, none of this seems very new. And, uh, you know, it's just not, it's not a very good trailer, to me but yeah according to imdb it'll be released on october the 16th so either in theaters or vod i guess if we find an answer to that question we'll post it on social media or something like that speaking of vod and not very good <laughs> we got the trailer for the craft legacy from blumhouse this just came out of nowhere we knew it was being made right yeah. And I assumed it would be a theatrical release, but you know, in this yeah. day and age, who knows? But they've decided to just put it right on to I think it's gonna be on Amazon Prime or something like that. I I don't know. But um yeah, so the trailer. It's bad. It's just <laughs> bad. And it's supposed to be a sequel, but it seems like a remake, and the only thing that like makes it a sequel is that they open up the craft book. It literally says the craft on the notebook and it has a picture of Nancy. May she be bound forever uh, inside the notebook. And it just looks like crap. It just looks horrible. Like why do you people make sequels and remakes of these things? If you're not passionate about it and we're not going to take it seriously. And maybe it's just a horrible trailer and it's going to blow me away, but my God, this looks like shit. Yeah. I, so I, you know, when they announced 
many, many moons ago. And we've talked about this on Shooting the Flames, probably around the time that we first started doing Shooting the Flames episodes, that they're going to be doing this, like, reboot, reimagining, whatever, of the craft, right? I mean, like, obviously, the craft is one of those movies that are sort of like our heyday of, like, teenage movie watching, right? Yep. And so... It was our version of Clueless. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like... I. I don't think that that movie needed to be remade. And so I already had a, you know, a little thing about it. And then when they said it was going to be a sequel, I'm like, okay, we'll see. But watching this trailer, it's the exact same fucking movie. It's almost the exact same trailer as the crash. And I was just like, so obviously none of it is original. You know, I just, I think that they just went through and made some different casting choices or whatever. And, and that's good. But, my God. Like casting actual teenagers instead of like 25 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but like when they're, they're levitating the girl, like doing the light as a feather, stiff as a board thing. And then from the guy like teasing her in high school, I was like, it's the same fucking movie. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I'm also tired of the whole Carrie period thing. Oh, Yeah. I'm like, stop it. It's only effective in one movie. Don't do it again. Yeah. I don't know. It's a dumpster fire and I'm really disappointed. I mean, those actresses are all still around today and working. Like, just get them and do a fucking sequel. Yeah, I'd rather see that. Yeah. For sure. I Nancy mean- breaks out the movie, you know? <laughs> Nancy Unbound. <laughs> The craft, Nancy Unbound. <laughs> That's a much better movie. My God. I mean, with that being said, I'll probably still watch it. But by God, I'm going to have to drink a whole bunch beforehand and probably afterward to get that like taste out of my mouth. And then I'll watch The Craft and just remember what a good movie it is. For real. Yeah. I am the sun. I am the air. And a great soundtrack. <laughs> I love that soundtrack. I know. It's got jewel on it, for God's sakes. <laughs> so we were also uh, given a trailer for an anthology film that's coming out on Hulu very quickly called Books of Blood. And this is based on a sort of short story anthology written by Clive Barker, which I haven't read. Yeah, I am actually a fan of Clive Barker. Um, I think he he really does like the creeping dread and horror really well and tension. And um, he does some really interesting stories. And the first part of this trailer really kind of got me because it's super it seems like super original and creepy. And so I would highly recommend watching this trailer to see, you know, and if you have Hulu to definitely check this out when it comes out, Um, you know, because it actually looks really good and it looks really high quality and it's coming out October 7th on Hulu. I also like Clive Barker. I haven't read this particular anthology, but I've read some of his other short work and some of his novels. And I think that he's a good writer. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, they, so they released like a, a teaser trailer for books of blood a couple weeks ago. And it was just that sort of naked guy standing behind the two way mirror. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, I'll watch this. The longer trailer I feel is a little, not as good as that teaser, but um with anthologies you never know like it's hit or miss if there's going to be multiple stories some might be good some might be bad you just have to wait and watch the whole thing but i just looked it up on imdb and its director wrote uh star trek generations star trek first contact so i think he's done a lot of like science fictiony kind of things so who's what's the name of the brandon braga oh okay i don't know i don't know I mean, we'll see. It we'll looks, to, I thought it was a movie. I didn't know it was an anthology. Yeah. So, I mean, Books of Blood is like a collection of 
stories, right? That Clive Barker wrote. Okay. Yeah. So is this going to be like a movie split into four or is it going to actually be, you know, three or four, or is it actually going to be like the first chapter, like the first I think, movie I think in a series from what I've read about it, it's supposed to be like the stories from that collection. So broken up into an anthology sort of like film. But okay. All right. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, like knowing Hulu, if they have a property like that, you would think that they wouldn't just let it go all in one swoop. Right. So I guess we'll just have to see what they do with it. Okay. Well, next up, we got the trailer from Disney Plus on uh, Marvel Studios' first like entry for a series on Disney Plus since it's launched, I think. And it's called WandaVision. So it's going to continue the story uh, as the first entry into, I guess, phase four of the MCU. And um, I don't know how horror adjacent this trailer seems. But it's a really fucking good trailer, at least for me as a fan of MCU. And knowing the stories behind it in the comics, essentially Scarlet Witch or Wanda has basically created her own reality out of the tragedy of Vision's death or whatever, right? And so what she's done is she's created her own like bubble universe where Vision's alive and they actually have children and everything else. And so it's kind of a tragedy. And so it doesn't really, it kind of keeps all that kind of close to the chest in the trailer. But what happens essentially at the end of the story is that she finds out that she's essentially <laughs> had a mental break. And when she finds out that her children don't actually exist and her husband doesn't actually exist, it's going to be an even bigger mental break that kind of fractures reality for the entire MCU, which could lead to things like, you know, the X-Men and things like that being, you know, introduced uh, and mutants existing in the MCU and stuff like that. And this is going to directly tie into uh, the next Dr. Strange movie, uh, in the multiverse of madness where she's going to be a co-star. So that's going to be uh super interesting. And I'm really looking forward to this show because there's going to be, it actually takes place a big part chunk of it on Halloween. So you know what? I don't think it drops until December, but you know, we're just to see. I don't know anything about the story, right? But uh, based on the trailer, I spoiled it for everyone. And based, right? and based on what you told me off mic and just now, it seems like something that I would like to watch. It seems like a really good story. And I know that Marvel fans are sort of like chomping at the bit for the next movie. <clears throat> and just like we talked about Candyman, I mean, like Black Widow was supposed to be the next one. It's pushed back and pushed back. So if they can release something on streaming to sort of like give the fans something, I know that it's going to be well received. And I like the character mm-hmm. of Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. I thought she was good in those I like Paul Bettany. Um, yeah, is Vision? Whether he's Vision or not? Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, it looks it looks interesting. It looks good, and so I, I'll watch this for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got a final final trailer for The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is something that Chris and I have been looking forward to since it was announced they were having a second season of Haunting of Hill House and the way they were going to be doing it. And this full trailer is to me very very good. Like I. I know you sent me the link and I knew we were going to be talking about it on this particular episode. So I didn't say too much, but I, I really liked it. I'm super looking forward to watching this show. <laughs> it definitely looks high quality. It's not, it's not as like hooking to me as like the first trailer, full trailer for the haunting of Hill house. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm obviously it's Mike Flanagan, so I'm super into it. And we're planning on giving you guys a special hot take. We're going to, 
binge the shit out of it and we're gonna <laughs> give you a hot take in uh probably late mid to late october mm-hmm. because it, i don't think it even streams until mid-october so we're gonna give it to you probably as our last episode in october yeah we're gonna have to like binge the fuck out of it but i mean i i love shirley jackson's hill house but m- i really really love the turn of the screw, of the screw. and mm-hmm. so i'm super looking forward to this i just it, it it looks fantastic, just like anything else that Flanagan does, really. And I think we've talked mm-hmm. about Flanagan many times in this episode already. <laughs> yeah. The next trailer we've got is for another, I, I think it's a movie uh, on Netflix called Vampires vs. the Bronx. Could be a series. Yeah, I couldn't tell based on the trailer if it's a series or a movie, right? But, I mean, horror comedy, I mean, this trailer made me crack up quite a bit, too. <laughs> so, yeah, it's coming out October 2nd, so pretty around the same time as this episode is going to drop, but um, it's, it looks a little on the nose <laughs> as far as what it's trying to be. Right. And so it's essentially like gentrification of, of black neighborhoods and black and brown neighborhoods, I think by white people. And so the, the white people in this are the vampires essentially. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's pretty on the nose. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they, they, it looks like there's com- some comedy in it, so they could probably get away with that, you know. And I feel like it's a story that could be told, um, you know, through this metaphor, uh, pretty well. So I look forward to it. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of interested to see what they do. So I don't know if it's the same thing or not because I don't. I didn't read a whole bunch of these articles, but there was one day on social media I saw people posting an article about a hip hop vampire show being made at Netflix, right? And then you sent me the link to this trailer and I was like, I don't know if it's the same thing or not. But some people were like, no, I don't want to watch a hip hop, a hip hop vampire show. And I'm like, calm down. I was just like, come on. Why does it hit? Why is it hip hop? Just because it's like has black and brown people in it. Yeah, I would assume. South Park joke. Have you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? (laughs) And the guy's like, the old white general is like, I don't listen to hip hop. (laughs) God. (laughs) So (laughs) come on, white people. As Melania says. Be best. <laughs> the fucking poet laureate of our country. <laughs> it's a positive message. <laughs> Be something. <laughs> so we watched one more trailer and this is a documentary. And um, I, th- I think if you haven't, discovered based upon our last hot takes episode that chris and i like documentaries then um here's here's another one for you this is called american murder the family next door it's going to be on netflix yep and it actually drops tomorrow as of this recording so it's actually coming out september 30th um i'm guessing they're going to expect a lot of views during october but i don't know if i want to see this i'm kind of burnt out on on real you know, true crime after our latest hot takes where we both watched some true crime and stuff. And especially knowing what happens with this uh, story. Um, yeah. I don't want to be depressed any more than I already am <laughs> 2020. So I don't know. I mean, so this is the story of Chris Watts is a pretty recent within the last couple of years of his like arrest and conviction and mm-hmm. like coming to light of the crimes that he committed against his wife and children. And it's a very, very depressing story. And I, I think that, I mean, unless you're like a huge fan of true crime or something, this is probably more depressing than you want to get. Um, mm-hmm. for 2020, especially I'll probably be watching it just cause I, 
I, I covered, like I, I read about this case from the moment that it happened when he was starting to say that his wife and children were missing. You know, I, I follow a lot of true crime stuff on Facebook. And so I was seeing all these articles post like be posted and I felt really bad for him. And then seeing what he actually did to his family is super sad and horrific. And I don't know. So, I mean, watch at your Spoiler. own risk, I guess. <laughs> what would you say? Spoiler. Oh, well, I mean, it's true crime. Come on now. Spoiler. He did it. <laughs> he did. Well, he did. But I mean, I'm not going to tell you how. Whatever is awful. Just got awful. So if you want a dash of reality in your like spooky season watchings, maybe that's the way to go. If you want to like completely lose hope in your fellow man or whatever, go watch American Murderer, The Family Next Door. Or, yeah. you know, take a gander at our gander. I promise I'll never say that word again. <laughs> take a look at our hot takes episode that we just released a little while ago. And um, yeah, watch some of the true crime that we actually liked over there. So that's true. There are much better documentaries out there, I'm sure. As usual, all of the links for these trailers will be in the show notes. So go check them out. As well as the two news items that we covered. Uh, we'll have some links to those articles in our show notes. We would like to know what you thought about everything that we covered on this episode, from the trailers to the news, to some of the comments and voicemails that we got. You can find us on social media at the Film Flamers on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com, or you can call us like these three wonderful people did on this episode. Keep them coming. The number is 972 972- 666-7733. We really enjoy getting those voicemails. We want to hear your voice, so call in and say hey to us. Uh, like we did on this episode, we like to talk about reviews and new patrons on Shooting the Flames. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or really anywhere, find a way to give us a review and we'll read it here and head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers to find all of our bonus content and we'll mention you on the next Shooting the Flames. We've got another poll coming out. Uh, we've just released our patreon only episodes about stir of echoes starring kevin bacon Mm -hmm. and uh our discussion around that and uh we're about to release or have already released a new poll for october's coverage of a foreign language horror film in honor of our deep dive of terrified this month so the choices for foreign language horror film that we're going to pull our patrons are chronos from mexico anatomy from germany let the right one in from sweden the whaling from south korea and a girl walks home alone at night from iran so uh head over to patreon become a family member of the film flamers and uh vote away that's right. So if you feel very strongly about any of those movies, now's your chance. You want to hear us talk about it? Go over there and join us and vote. We have some other episodes coming out in October, so stay tuned for that. But as always, listeners, we appreciate all the comments and questions, reviews, support on Patreon, and we look forward to our next Shooting the Flames episode in November to talk about more of them. So And God, I'm so tired after watching all of those trailers. Yeah, well then I guess it's time for you to go and have some sweet dreams. dreams.